You know, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is king of kings and that he is Lord of lords. There can be no greater statement made about Jesus than that. And you know, Jesus was born in a stable in Bethlehem, grew up in an insignificant, somewhat insignificant town called Nazareth, worked in a carpenter shop, at age 12 went with his mother and father, Joseph and Mary, to the temple and astounded the teachers because he is the Word of God and he knew about more about the Word of God than they did. They were amazed. And then, of course, at 30 years of age, having been baptized by John the Baptist, led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil for 40 days, after 40 days, and then, the, then Jesus went about his ministry. The lame walked, the blind could see, the deaf could hear, the dead were raised, the demonized were set free, and Jesus just did what no one had ever done. And everybody knew that this, who was really in the know, that this, that he is the Messiah. He's the long-promised Savior. The one that was spoken up in Isaiah where it says, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son, and we shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. And then Jesus was crucified. Third day he rose again, ascended to the right hand of the Father, where he is this morning. However, he's just waiting for the Father to say, Son, it's time to go back. It's time to go back and get your bride. It's time to go back and get your children. And so today we're going to talk about what it's like when Jesus comes the second time. He doesn't come in a stable, but he comes on a white horse. But also he comes as king of all kings. And he comes again as Lord of all lords. Now, why did, uh, uh, how was Jesus anointed Why did the Father anoint Jesus as King of Kings? Well, let me tell you why. In Philippians 2, verses 5 and following, it makes it clear that through Jesus' humility, through him becoming in the form of a servant, and then dying, being obedient and dying on the cross, that God has highly exalted him. Let's read, I'm going to read this. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, he was perfect deity, did not consider it something to be held on to, to be equal with God. So what did he do? Look at this. He made himself of no reputation. That doesn't sound like a king or the king of kings. He made himself of no reputation. He took upon himself the form of a bond servant and and came in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And now, therefore, now when you see therefore, it's what's, Went right before it. He humbled himself. 
took upon him the form of a servant, made in the likeness of men, and he became obedient to the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Let me tell you, you bow before a king. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. And that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is exalted this morning by the Heavenly Father as King of kings and Lord of lords. And may I inform you that one day every knee is going to bow. Man, that excites me. The agnostics are going to bow. The atheists are going to bow. The humanists are going to bow. Those who've mocked him and ridiculed him and, and, and spoke about him in a way that I know stirs the heart of God. I'm telling you one of these days, they're all going to bow at the, at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're going to honor him as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You can bow before him now and he will be your Savior and your Lord. Or you can bow to him later and he will be your king and your judge. It's not if you will bow your knee and confess that he is king. It's not if you'll bow your knee and confess that he is Lord. You will do that. Every knee is going to bow. And every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, I want us to understand that when Jesus comes back, he is coming back in power and glory. He's coming back as a king in power and glory. We read in Mark chapter 13, verse 26. Then, the, then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. It was a humble birth. Yes, the angels announced his coming. To the shepherds on the hillside. But you know when he comes back. He's going to come in the clouds. With power. And glory. Like we have never seen. Before. In, in, second Tim, in first Timothy. It talks about Jesus. It says. Uh, talking about us as believers. And then he's going to talk about who Jesus is. But you O man of God. Woman of God. Flee these things. And pursue righteousness. Pursue righteousness. This is what we're supposed to pursue till Jesus comes. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Hey, have you found out that the Christian life is a battle? Amen. I'm telling you what, you get up in the morning and, and, you, and you bow before the king. Lord, the Lord Jesus is the King of Kings. And then you go out to do battle against the devil and all the demons of hell. And I want to tell you right now, Jesus is king over the devil and he's king over every demon. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. And you have when you repented of your sins and received Christ. To which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Now listen how it describes Jesus. That you keep this commandment without spot and blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ appears. Pursue righteousness and godliness and faithfulness and gen till Jesus comes back. And then it says, till he appears, which he will manifest 
in his own time that he is the blessed and only potentate. I've never, I've known, not really known what a potentate was. But uh, I looked that up and it says that he is the blessed and only sovereign. He is absolutely sovereign. And that he's, look at the scripture. The king of kings and Lord of lords. It says when Jesus comes, he's going to manifest himself as the sovereign Lord and as king of kings and Lord of lords. And who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, who no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. So when Jesus comes back, man, he's coming in power and glory. And he's going to manifest himself. Now, here's the one I want you to look at, Revelation eleven sixteen. It says, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and him who sat on it. That's a white horse. And Jesus, bronze is a picture you know, in the Bible of judgment. And it says, and, and, and heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on it was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. You know, when he stood before Pilate, he did not open his mouth. When that, Pilate said, I find no fault in him. Let me give you a criminal, Barabbas. They said, no, we don't want Barabbas. We want Jesus, that we might crucify him. And so he turned Jesus over to the scribes and Pharisees. But listen, when he comes back, it's not going to be that way. He makes war. It says, his eyes were like a flame of fire. On his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed in a robe, listen to this, dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. First John 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he's clothed with robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, man, that's fixed to be a war, y'all. Clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Man, that, that sounds exciting. That's better than any Western I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> now, out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. And with it, he should strike. That with it, he's going to strike the nations. And he himself will rule. Oh, they ruled over him when he came the first time. But oh, no, he's the king of all kings. He's the Lord of all lords. And he will rule over all the nations with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. So we see that Jesus, when he comes, he's coming as King of kings and Lord of lords. He's coming as Savior and Lord to those of us who know him. But he's coming as judge to those who do not know him. <clears throat> and he has on his robe, on his thigh, a name written. King of kings. <laughs> written on his, was the, the, his name, the word of God. But now look what's written on him as he comes to do war. 
And on his robe and on his thigh, a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So we, want, we realize that Jesus is King of Kings and he's coming again in power and in glory. And, and, uh, and then also we realize that uh, in, 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 Re- in Revelation chapter 1, verses, verse 4, it says, Revelation 1, 4 through 8, it says, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from who, him who is, who was, and he is to come and the seven spirits before the throne. All right, so, and from Jesus, John's giving them a greeting. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead. Now I want you to listen to what it says about him. And the ruler over the kings of the earth. So he's coming. He's coming to do war with the saints upon those that are ungodly. But he's coming as ruler over the kings of the earth. And it says here that he loved us, praise God, and he washed us from our sins in his own blood. Now, so we realize that Jesus Christ is coming. He's coming soon. He's coming back as King of kings and Lord of lords. There are more verses in the Bible about the second coming of Jesus than there is the first coming. Over 200 times in the New Testament, it is referred to the the fact either directly or by reference that Jesus is coming again. Now, if we believed he came the first time, well, do you believe he came the first time? Do you believe he came the first time? Amen. Well, guess what? If you believe he came the first time, you can believe he's coming the second time. Because he came the first time. You say, how do you know? I've met him, hadn't you? He's forgiven me. Oh, I know he came the first time. But oh, what a conviction. Listen, I want more than a belief that he's coming back. Oh, I believe Jesus is coming back. No, listen to me. I want a conviction that Jesus is coming back that will cause me to live a holy life and a righteous life and a godly life and a life that honors the Lord Jesus Christ. You can believe, you don't live by what you believe. Oh, no, 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 no. You live by what your convictions are. And you, some people, some people say, well, I know Jesus is coming back. They no more acting like it and living like it than they're fixing to go to the moon on a rocket ship. I am telling you, if you believe Jesus Christ is coming back, it, you, it's going to be a conviction and it's going to affect what you say, how you live, what you do, because I'm telling you, we're going to see him and we're going to be accountable to him. And so, therefore, the fact that he is coming ought to affect the way we live every day of our life. There was one man that was so aware of the fact that he wanted to be ready when Jesus came that on the ceiling of his bedroom, he wrote these words, Today could be the day. And the first thing he saw, Today could be the day when Jesus comes back again. Now, he's coming in power And he's coming in glory. Now, let us understand this. That when he comes, 
it, he is going to be, it is going to be the visible, stay with me now, he's coming in power and glory, but it's going to be the visible and bodily return of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, people who don't want to believe the Word of God and, and want to live a sinful life, and if they, they believe the Bible is the Word of God, then they've got to ask God to conform their life to the Word of God. But people that don't want to believe the Bible, they'll find a way to try to get around. I mean, I'm talking about theological professors and others, and there are many godly ones. But what they'll do is they say, oh, oh, he's coming back, but he's going to come back as a spirit. Give me a break. That's not in the Bible. I can't see a spirit. The Bible says, you know what the Bible says? When we see him, we will be like him. For we shall see him as he is. I believe in the visible bodily return of the Lord Jesus Christ coming back as King of kings and Lord of lords. When he ascended into heaven after the 40 days, two angels appeared to the disciples and said, this same Jesus, this same Jesus as he went up in the clouds will come again in like manner as you've seen him go. Well, they saw him visibly and bodily go up and praise God. We're going to see him visibly and bodily come down. So we believe it, that, that Jesus is the visible and, and has a body as the King of kings and Lord of lords. Now, uh, let, let me just give you a great passage. 1 Thessalonians 4, 12 through 18. Th- this will give, in, give you encouraged. Uh, the Thessalonians had had some Christian, some brothers and sisters in Christ that had died. And they were all new Christians in Thessalonica. They knew nothing about heaven or hell. Only what Paul had, had, had taught them. But many of them were grieving over their loved ones that had died. And so Paul said, let, let, me, let me give you hope. He said, let me give you hope. And then he gave this absolute confirmation that Jesus is coming visibly and bodily again. He said, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who've fallen asleep. I don't want you to sorrow not as those who have no hope. Hey, Christians sorrow, but we sorrow with hope. Can you imagine the sorrow if you had no hope? But we don't want you to be ignorant. We, want you to be so- we do not want you to sorrow as those who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, we believe, why are we here this morning? We believe Jesus died. And we believe he rose again. Even so will God bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Did you know, as um, we were singing the choir, uh, the midnight cry, and the fact that Jesus is coming back. I have a lot of people in heaven that I want to see. There's no way I could count them. But you know, I'm just telling you what happened. It's like my mother's face. I just saw her face. And man, you talk about hope. One day, she'll be coming with him. Ooh. And one day, I'll be reunited with her in the presence of Jesus. 
oh friend. You're talking about hope, Brother Ed, that we sing about? He said, and goes on in that passage, it says, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means go before those who fall asleep. Now, boy, is Jesus going to be, is, it, is he going to come himself or is he going to be a spirit? <clears throat> Listen to this verse. The Lord himself will descend from heaven, from heaven with a shout. Praise God he's not coming on a video. They have these churches, all you can got is videos. You ain't got no preacher in the pulpit. Well, that's okay. But I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want Jesus coming on the video. I want to see him in person. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ, those whose body has already died, their spirit and soul is going to be with Jesus. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. <clears throat> That's the word rapture. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with our loved ones who died and went to heaven before we did. We'll be caught up together with them. What a reunion. What a reunion. We'll be caught up in the clouds together with them to meet the Lord. By the way, you're going to meet the Lord. Visibly. And bodily, you're going to meet the Lord. We'll be risen up to meet the Lord. To meet the Lord in the air. And I love this. And so thus we shall always be with the Lord. Hallelujah. So, the Jesus, the Jesus as King of Kings is coming back in power and glory. And he's coming back visibly and bodily. And we will meet him in the air with our loved ones who have gone before. Well, you say, Brother Fred, uh, how do you prepare? I mean, uh, when will Jesus come back? When, when will he come back? When is Jesus going to return? Well, the Bible says nobody knows the day or the hour. The, the Bible says Jesus doesn't even know the day or the hour. Only the Father knows it. That's right. And the Father will tell Jesus when it's time for him to go. Don't you think Jesus is sitting on the edge of the throne just waiting for the Father to tell him to go? Oh, boy. Because he loves, he loves you. He loves the church. He loves the body of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. By the way, he loves lost people. He loves people who have denied him, who've cursed him, who've turned their back on him, who've ridiculed him. Oh, he loves them. But if they reject his love and reject his sacrifice, the only thing that is left for him is judgment. You see, it's not that he turned them away. It's that they never came. But he's coming back. And he is coming back for his bride that he loves for the body of Christ, for you and I that are, are his children. He loves us unconditionally. But, you know, say, Brother Fred, uh, when is he coming? Well, let me give you two things. One, he's coming soon. Now, you expected me to say that, but I believe that. And I'll tell you why I believe it. One reason I believe that he's coming soon is because of the rise of wickedness 
not only in America, but in this world. Folks, this is a wicked, sinful world. The fall of man has taken its toll. From Africa to India to Asia to Russia to China to North Korea to Mobile to Los Angeles to wherever it is, or in, I am telling you, the, the fall of man has taken its toll and wickedness is rising and as wickedness rises, it tells us that soon Jesus is going to come and he's going to put an end to it. He's going to put an end to it. That when he comes on that white horse, he comes to do battle against the nations. Well, you say, Brother Fred, what do you mean the rise of wickedness? Well, I'm just going to read a few verses here. This know that in the last days, the last days, perilous, perilous, fierce times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves. It's called humanism. Lovers of money. It's called greed. Boasters. No deity will save us. We must save ourselves. Proud. I don't need God. I don't need God. Kind of like the man who told me when he's sitting in my study. He said, I, I want you to understand. He'd gotten a college degree, and I think people ought to get the best education they can. But it kind of gone to his head, you know. And he said, looked at me and said, man, I want you to know one thing. I'm a self-made man. And I wanted to say, but the Lord would not let me say it. I know you're a self-made man. God wouldn't make anything like you. But I could not. <laughs> he would not let me say it. I wanted to say it. I mean, I had to bite my tongue not to say it. I'm a self-made man. That's just the problem. We've got a bunch of self-made people in this world, and they need to be made over by the living God. And it says here, there will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters. Hey, by the way, the root, the root of the drug problem is all about money. It's all about money. The drug dealers selling the drugs and all the money that passes. I believe we could block it out if there wasn't so much money involved. I'm not sure they're trying hard enough. Lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers. Oh, gosh. I've heard two or three people say some blasphemous thing about Jesus. Whew. I'd be afraid God was going to strike me by lightning if I'd say that. Blasphemers, disobedient to their parents. Well, I wonder if there are any young people here today that are half struggling about obeying your parents. You, you think you know more than they know. Well, the Bible says that's a sign of the last days. Disobedient to parents. Unthankful. Unholy. Unloving. My goodness. Unforgiving. Slanderers. Without self-control. Brutal. Man, all those uh, video games. Lord, how much are they blowing everybody up? And ain't nobody left to blow up. And they're fighting and killing and Got monsters chasing them. God have mercy on us. They're brutal. And they despise good. That's the rise of evil. The rise of wickedness. Which is a sign of the last days. This know that in the last days, perilous times will come. And then there's another passage. It's not only the a perilous times. I think in verse 7, uh, we didn't get there, did we? Is 2 Timothy 3, 7. Does this describe uh, 
this generation, always learning, <laughs> but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's a sign of the last days. Listen, don't, don't, don't ask me how. This person on my phone, and I just say, hey, Siri, and then I don't know if it's a man or woman. She'll tell me anything I need to know. <laughs> she knows more than I know. One time I made a mistake, and, 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 and she thought I said, uh, I, uh, I, won't, I, won't, I want my father. And she spoke back and said, I don't know your father. <laughs> That's the absolute truth. But, you know, I mean, how do you do that? Come on. And then you, you, you get your uh, GPS or GPR. And you get it in the car, and it starts telling you where to go. I don't understand all that stuff. The people with a whole lot more brains than we got did it. But I'll tell you, they just got a powerful soul. But you know what? You can know all that, and you can make millions of dollars. But if you don't know Jesus, it's absolutely worthless because you're ever learning, and you never come to the knowledge of the truth. And Jesus is the truth. So there's a sign of wickedness, but there are the signs of the times as well. When, when's Jesus coming? He's coming soon. What time is it? Five minutes till 12. Midnight cry, five minutes till 12. Then it'll be four minutes and three minutes and two minutes and one minute, and the trumpet will sound. But there's the signs of the time. In, in Matthew um, uh, chapter 15, I believe it is. No, that's not where it is. It's Matthew 24, verse 3. Now, as he said on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming? See, they knew he was coming back. He hadn't even gone back yet. But they knew when he went back, he was coming back. What will be the sign of your coming? And the end of the age. And then Jesus answered them. Take heed that no one deceive you. Boy, you need to underline that. That's more deception than there's ever been. Oh, my goodness. Just deception. And much of it's by organized religion. Now, don't misunderstand me. There are some godly, godly pastors, godly churches and all, all, you know, all kinds of denominations. I mean, I'm not, I know that, but I'll tell you, religion as a whole, major denominations have sold their soul. They sold their soul. You know, they uh, just have no moral convictions, and they've gone the way of the world to try to build a crowd. For, but many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. Well, Muhammad came, and the thousands of Hindu gods have came, and Buddha came and all them, and many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, always. There's war going on all over the place right now. Genocide, people being killed. Nigeria, I could just go on and on. Wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled. All these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Nation will rise against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines. Man, think of the millions and millions. Three-fourths of the world goes to bed hungry tonight. Three-fourths of the world are just hoping to have food to help them through another day. Oh, yes. 
I know that's hard to believe, but that's exactly right. There'll be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. All right. So when Jesus comes as King of Kings, he will come in power and in glory. When he comes as King of Kings, it'll be a visible bodily return as he, the dead in Christ rise first and that we who are alive and remain will call, be caught up to meet him in the air. But his coming is soon. You know, I like that little chorus. Uh, the, you know, soon and very soon, we're going to see the king. How many of y'all know that chorus? Good, I won't have to sing a solo. Let's sing that together. You want to? Soon and very soon, we, we are going to see the king. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. Hallelujah, hallelujah, we're going to see the king. Now, the most important part of this message, all of that's important. In the next just few moments, I want to tell you, how do you prepare for the coming of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? That, that's the bottom line. How do you prepare? Prepare for the coming of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. An Old Testament passage says, prepare to meet your God. So how do you prepare? First of all, and I want to, I'm using this word for a reason. You've got to abide in Christ. Now, that word abide means trust in, rely on, believe in, cling to. And that means that you know Jesus personally. It means that you know him as your Lord and Savior. He is the vine, and you are a branch. The life of the branch comes from the vine. So why am I using that word? Well, look what it says in 1 John 2, 28. It's on the screen. And now little children, that's an affectionate term for Christians, abide in him, okay, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. And not be ashamed before him. At his coming. You mean Brother Fred? He's going to come in the air. In power and glory. And there are going to be people that are saved and ready. And they are going to rejoice. Not perfect but saved and ready. And they're going to rejoice. Because if they're trusting in Jesus and Jesus only. They're not trusting in baptism. They're not trusting in church membership. They're not trusting in good works. They're not trusting in an experience that did not change their lives. They're not trusting in, but they're just trusting in Jesus. And man, the Bible says that they won't be ashamed before him at his coming. But what about the person who has not, is, has not and is not abiding in Christ? So how do you prepare? You abide in Christ every day. You let his life come into you. You, you. He's the vine. You're the branch. So you let his life flow into you every day. And when his life flows into you every day, you bear much fruit, the Bible says. 
And so how do you prepare for his coming? By abiding in him. You abide in him. The second thing is this. How do you uh, prepare for his coming? You obey him. You obey him. Let me say a word about worship. Worship, a part of worship is obedience. So I would be right in saying that the way you prepare for the Lord is to abide in him. Know that he is your Lord and your Savior. You depend on him every day. You walk with him every day. Your eyes are on him every day. Your goal is to just uh, be to please him every day. And it's a daily thing that you prepare for the Lord's return. But, you know, one way you prepare is by worshiping the king. And in John 4, 23 and 24, it says, it's very important. Now the hour is coming, and now is, when the true, worship, true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. I didn't know God really needed or sought anything. But he's looking for his children to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. You know how you prepare for his coming? You abide in Christ, but you worship the king. You worship the king. Well, how do you do that? Well, let me give you another verse in Matthew 15, 8 and 9. This is so, so dangerous, so subtle. These people draw near to me with their mouth. They honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. True worship is you worship him in spirit and in truth. And with all of your being, from your heart, it's not, not, not an emotion. You may have emotion. It's not a feeling. You may have a feeling. But you just know that you know the living God. And you know the King of kings. And so the thing for you to do is worship him from your heart. Heart felt worship. God forbid that I would just draw near to him with my lips and my mouth and my heart would be far from him. So you prepare for him by abiding in Christ, by worshiping him, and then by obeying him. You see, if you, you know, obedience is a part of worship. Obedience is a part of worship. Okay, Christ is your Savior. He is your Lord. You've repented of your sins. Christ has come to live in you. You're a new creation in Christ. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. Your sinful nature has been put to death on the cross. And now you have a new nature. You're a partaker of the divine nature. So what do you do? You obey the king. You obey the king. And that's the way you prepare for his coming. You obey him. Let me give you a couple of verses. 1 John 2 Three and four. Boy, you need to just let this sink in your spirit now. Now by this we know that we know him. I need to know that. I don't want to be deceived. By this we know that we know him. Well, just tell me how I know. By this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. You know how we know we know him? Because we obey. You know how we know that we're preparing for his return? Because we obey him. And over in um, 
not, not only 1 John 2, 3, and 4, but chapter 2, verse 9. Listen to what it says. Do, uh, do you have a... For, for, uh, do you get 1 John uh, 2, 29? Let's go back to that. 1 John 2, 29. All right, now look at this one. If you know that Jesus is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. We know that we know him if we keep his commandments. And we know that Jesus is righteous, and we know that we know him because, by the Holy Spirit's power, we practice righteousness. It's called obedience. That's the way you prepare for his coming. And then over in 1 John 3, 4 through 10. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. And he goes on and says, And you know that he was manifested, praise his name, to take away our sin. Thank you, Jesus. You came to take away our sin. And in him there is no sin. Who, now, now, now you've got to stay with me here. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Now, the key is whoever abides, trusts in, relies on, clings in, surrenders to, believes in. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Does that mean we believe in sinless perfection? No. In the Greek, that means practice. And you'll see that word over and over again. Whosoever is born of him does not practice sin. Sin is not your lifestyle. Sin is not your lifestyle. Righteousness and obeying him is your lifestyle. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him or known him. If you practice in sin, you don't know him. All right, now look at this. This couldn't be any clearer than this. Little children, let nobody deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. Boy, this is strong. He who sins, practices sin, is of the devil. For the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever is born of God does not sin, does not practice sin. Why? Because his seed, the nature of Christ, put off the old man in Adam and put on the new man created in in Christ in true righteousness and holiness. Whosoever is born of God does not practice sin because he is a partaker of the divine nature. His seed remains in him, and he cannot practice sin because he's been born of God. You say, Brother Fred, that's strong. Nobody's perfect. I'm not talking about perfection, but I want to ask you a simple question, and I'm asking this of myself. Do I practice righteousness and obedience, or do I practice sin and disobedience? And it's it's that clear. Now, let, let me say this. I know some people that I love deeply and dearly. And I would ask them, are, are, you, are, are you ready to meet the Lord? And they say, yeah, oh yeah, I, I, tell, I remember right where I was when I asked Jesus into my heart. But the problem is, they've been living like the devil ever since. That can't be. That cannot be. When you have the nature of Christ in you, 
Hey, by the way, when you have the Holy Spirit living in you, he's the Holy Spirit, and you can't get away with nothing. I want you to know that. You criticize somebody, the Holy Spirit will convict you. Oh, yeah. You say, well, I never am convicted. Boy, you need to get saved. You need to get born again. I'm telling you because, listen, one way that we prepare for the coming of the Lord is to obey him. And we can obey him because we're a new creation in Christ, because we've got a new nature, and we used to uh, race after sin, but now we're running after righteousness. Yeah, we stumble sometimes. Yeah, we say things we shouldn't say. Yeah, sometimes we do what we shouldn't do. But you don't practice it. That's not your lifestyle. If sin is your lifestyle, please repent and be saved. You prepare for the coming of the king by practicing obedience. I'm just going to go quickly through these couple more. You practice by worshiping, abiding in Christ, by worshiping the king, by obeying the king, daily seeking the king. You daily seek the king with your whole heart. Look what it says in Matthew 6, 31 through 34. That, that, Therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, and what shall we wear? I wonder this morning if you got up and say, I ain't got nothing to wear. I don't know what to wear. And you got so many suits in your closet, you can't count them, and so many dresses, most of them won't fit you anymore. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> but I ain't got nothing to wear. My wife has told me that so many times. And I try to be gracious <laughs> and try to be understanding and try to have self-control. But sometimes I don't. I say, well, what's all that hanging over there? What is, all, what is that? And she don't like that. I'll tell you that right now. So I've learned to keep my mouth shut. Daily seek first. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. But I love this. Seek first the kingdom of God. You know why I'm seeking the kingdom of God? Because Jesus is the king. Hallelujah. Jesus is the king in the kingdom of God. And he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things. You'll have plenty to eat and plenty to uh, eat. I said, don't worry about what you're going to eat, drink. You'll have plenty to drink and you'll sure have enough to wear. He said, if I can clothe the birds, I can clothe you. No, if I can feed the birds, I can feed you. And if I can clothe the lilies, I can clothe you. Praise God. All right couple more. Abide in Christ. Live a life of obedience to Christ. Daily seek King Jesus. Live a life of living faith in King Jesus. Be sure you've got a living faith that every day carries you when everything is smooth and in the storm. Boy, look, 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 what, look what it says. Enoch was taken so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. But before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. One day Enoch went for a walk. He didn't come back. Him and God were talking, and God said, I think I'll take you home. And well, I, He just took him on home. And so he, he walked with God. One day he went walking, didn't come back. But he had this testimony before God took him that he pleased God. But now here is the thing. And it's not hard. We try to make it hard. 
This is how you prepare for his coming. Live a life of faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. What does that mean? I know God's word. I believe God's word. It's a conviction. And then I act on God's word. See, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So faith is not, well, I know the Bible. Faith is not only knowing the Bible, but acting on what you know. Well, you know, I know the Bible tells me that I'm not to live in fear. But I'm just who I am. No, that's not who you are. If you're a child of God, you're a new creation. And so we, faith is simply taking God at his word. Lord, I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be afraid. Our verse for, for, for this week is, The Lord is my light, my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You see, faith is this. God says it. That settles it. And you act on what God speaks to you. You act, but you've got to know the word of God. Or you're not going to be strong in faith. You have to have that. So you live a life of faith. All right, and then the next thing is you live a life of fullness of the Holy Spirit. Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're to allow the Holy Spirit to fill us. That's the way we live, preparing for His coming. Galatians 5, 16, walk in the Spirit. That's how you prepare for His coming. And you won't give in to the desires of the flesh. Didn't say you wouldn't have them, said you won't give in to them. So, living a Spirit-filled life, walking in the Spirit, trusting not in the arm of flesh, but in the Spirit of God who lives in you, and having the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and gentleness and kindness and self-control. And so, How do you prepare for his coming? You worship the king. You obey the king. You daily seek the king and his kingdom. And you trust him by faith. You have a life of living faith. And you live in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Here's the last one. You be what God told you to be in the world. And listen to what he said we're supposed to be. Matthew 5, 13 through 16. It says, you're the salt of the earth. Did you know that? You're the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its saltiness, it is worthless. It's worthless and good for nothing. You're the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how can it be seasoned? It is good for nothing to be thrown out and trampled under the foot of men. In other words, you've gotten away from Jesus and drifted away from him and no longer you're salt. You're not salt anymore. Because salt stops decay. I'm telling you, the only way they used to have cure meat, they didn't have a refrigerator. They would salt it down. They'd just pack it in salt. Have you ever ate salty uh, country ham? Salty? My soul, it takes three gallons of water to get down one piece of ham. But that, that's the way they used to cure it. They, it was by salt. They didn't put it in a the refrigerator. They didn't have one. We didn't even have a refrigerator when I was growing up. We had an ice box. How many of y'all had an ice box? Praise God, I'm not the only old one in this place. You put the ice in the top and pray it'll cool the rest of the refrigerator, or whatever it was. But be salt. And let me read on. And says, you are the light of the world. Oh, you're salt of the earth. That's who we are. You're the light of the world. We are believers. 
Jesus is our king. You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. You know what he says for us to do? You want to be ready when Jesus comes? Let your light, which is Christ in you. He took us out of the kingdom of darkness, put us in the kingdom of light, and Jesus is the light of our life. Let your light so shine before men. Oh, before men, at work, at school, in my neighborhood. By my life, they're going to know I'm a Christian. By my life, they're going to know I don't live in darkness. By the life, my life, they're going to know that, hey, I'm walking in the light and not in the darkness. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Acts 1.8 And you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Luke 12, 8. Boy, this is a strong word. I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him the Son of Man will confess before the angels of God. You know the, how you prepare? You just live. You be what God, Jesus, saved you to be. Light and salt and a witness. You know, I really believe when I stand to preach that I have a word from God. But sometimes I'll ask God to confirm it. And so, I said, I'm going to look and see what songs Ed's have picked out. And if it says anything in those songs about Jesus being the King of Kings, that's going to be God's confirmation. And man, the first song that he had us to sing is Jesus, Jehovah is the King of Kings. And then we talked about the midnight cry when the king's going to come back. So let me say this to you. I know this message was for you. And I know it's for me. Now the question is, do you really believe the king is coming? And do you really believe he's coming soon? And will we order our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit that when he comes... We will not be ashamed before him at his coming. Now, you may believe he's coming, but you'll know that you have conviction when it affects the way you live every day of your life. Christianity is not just what we believe. It's what we live. And under God, we're going to meet the king soon. And oh, what a joy it's going to be with to be with the king. Oh, what a joy. Be ready. Watch and pray. But just live every day looking for the king.